Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Last fall, we had something happen at work that I'm sure you can relate to. There is a big work deadline. There is a crucial event that cannot be missed. And if you blow it, everything falls apart. And then your coworker, let's say his name is Kenny. Kenny cancels at the last minute. He says he's sick. For us, the crucial event was a recording in New Jersey. And afterwards, Kenny gave this excuse as to why he couldn't make it. I was huddled under a blanket. I was freezing half the time, and then I was burning up the other half of the time. Really? You can call my wife, and she will attest to this. Did you actually have a fever? Mm-hmm. Did science say you had a fever? Science, a thermometer, said that I had a fever. Of what? Um, I think it was like 100. It never went above 100. Yeah, it's not that high. Are you saying that I wasn't sick? Are you saying, what are you trying to say? That if you were in my shoes, you, you would have gone? What was I trying to say? I did believe that Kenny was sick. But on the night in question, I was also feeling lousy. I was dizzy and stuffed up. And that night, I took some Advil. I trekked to New Jersey for the crucial, absolutely could not be missed recording. And I did my work and Kenny's work, too. I spent like two and a half hours on the subway getting from my place to Elaine's place to go pick up the stuff because Mm -hmm. that's not what was supposed to happen. She and I were supposed to meet a personal note here. I'm from Toronto, so it might not sound like it, but I am furious. Like, Canadian furious. I got back on the subway. By the time I hit Canal, I was like, there's no way I'm going to make it. I'm late. So I got out and I got into an Uber and I dropped 110 bucks taking an Uber from Canal Street. $110? Yeah, a very expensive Uber and just made it in time. Wasn't I supposed to go to New Jersey? Yes. When the airing of grievances was over, I got to the heart of the issue. When you are sick, should you work or stay home? What if not working messes up your colleagues? Okay, so you think that's what it was about, that I'm not as willing to work when I'm sick, potentially. Definitely. Really? Yeah. Didn't you prove it? Well, <laughs> you were like, I'm sick and I'm not doing this. And that had consequences. And the consequences meant that I had to. You're saying I let you and Elaine down. You did. I mean, I guess let me to ask you sort of bluntly, because of that night, do you now think that I'm a bit of a wimp? No. This is Only Human. I'm Amanda Aronchik. Maybe this has happened to you and to your coworkers too. Someone calls in sick and you have to do your work and cover for them. Or maybe the opposite. Someone comes to work sick and gets everyone else sick too. In today's episode, instead of just pointing fingers and blaming one another, this winter, we did something about it. We used science to figure out what really happened. Who came to work sick? Who was patient zero? And how did the virus move through the office? In other words, it's a whodunit, or more accurately, it's a flu-dunit. You know, like Colonel Mustard in the library with the swine flu. Here's what happened. You okay if I'm just recording a little bit? Yeah, no problem. Thank this you. Stuff is supposed to On the fifth day of October, Rumi Chunara biked to our offices to meet with us. She has long brown hair and she was dressed stylishly. 
She is surprisingly hip given how much time she spends thinking about respiratory infections. Chinara is an assistant professor at NYU in computer science and public health. So what we normally see is people sending in specimens to like April. She opened up her messenger bag and pulled out a vial. She held it up, and at the bottom was a pool of clear liquid. That's right. This stuff is supposed to remain good at room temperature. Okay. Yeah. She uses these vials to collect samples from volunteers for her project, which is called Go Viral. She then has the samples tested for a range of respiratory illnesses. It's like 20 different viruses, including subtypes. So influenza A, influenza A, specifically H1N1. At the lab, they use PCR, a technique to find DNA and RNA, so they can figure out what is that person sick with. Is it a rhinovirus or a coronavirus or an actual flu? Then Chunara can track how these viruses spread within communities. She agreed to help us design our own study to figure out how these same viruses spread in our office. I think for this group, the idea would be test all of them even for people who didn't have symptoms, right? We discussed the details, and then before she got up to leave, she gave us a warning. People, I've investigated these kinds of studies a lot. Like, I think they run into challenge most when no one gets sick. That's been the, probably the biggest challenge, right. I think. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we're, our worst-case scenario is, is nobody no gets, gets sick. sick. That's exactly. Just wanted to put that out there. She then packed up her bag of vials and left. Getting sick? It turned out that would be the easy part. What she did not warn us about was much worse. Coworkers turning against coworkers. Flu Dunnett was about to rip a hole through our office like a big sneezy tornado. Now I'm recording. Eight days later, our team gathered in a conference room at WMYC. I can't believe you picked like the most pristine room in the station too. This happened to be the one that seemed most convenient. I mean, we could have gone up to the. We sat around a large white table. My coworker Elaine Chen was the designated manager of Flu Dunnett within the office, and first she handed out forms. There are consent forms that we need to sign for IRB. We signed and agreed to the following: twenty of us, coworkers plus our loved ones at home, would swab our noses once a week for the next ten weeks, whether we were sick or not. These swabs would go in one of Chunara's vials. They'd be mailed to the lab where they would be tested. And twice a week, we would also fill out a form describing whatever symptoms we were feeling. Elaine then passed around the swabs. This is about 2.5 centimeters. We are going to stick that in one nostril and you rotate it around against the wall of your nose, the nostril. Elaine is the most organized person on our team. She's the one who always remembers to bring back treats when she goes away on a trip. And for flu done it, she made sure we all knew how to correctly put the pointy swabs up our noses. I don't like the feeling. Oh, it's very ticklish. Now, something strange happened immediately after the swabbing. We started seeing each other differently. But are we supposed to stick it up that far? We were no longer just coworkers. We were coworkers covered in viruses. Yes. Okay. So then, open up the tube. This experiment was like putting on 3D glasses. We could now see the viral dimension, and there are viruses everywhere. Oh, no. This is going to make sickness worse in this office. Then, as if an omen, Kenny sneezed on one of the pristine white chairs. We all stared. It was no longer just a chair. 
This is a disaster. Mine looked a little wet. It was a chair covered in viruses. Should we put a note on that chair? <laughs> now, at this very moment in time, back in mid-October, most of the staff was showing symptoms, which means me, Kenny, Elaine, and Jillian, all potential victims, all potential perpetrators. How do you think you got sick? Well, I don't know. Jillian was sick on Thursday. As we discussed who got sick first, the finger-pointing started. I think Jillian got everybody sick. But I don't think you were first. I think he was first. No, no, no. no Jillian was definitely first. I was first. sick last week, and then... <laughs> Jillian. Jillian is tall with bouncy curls, and she's without a doubt the nicest person on our team. She's so nice that she'd come to work possibly masking the symptoms of a cold. You were, you were like zombified very, on cold medicine. <laughs> I just took a lot. I'm not a lot. I took the right dosage. What was supposed to be an academic exercise to track oh viruses God, as they so traveled weird. through our offices was very quickly turning ugly. When I, I, I was at this talk late on Friday night, and I started to feel an itch in my throat, and I will confess that my initial thought was, F***ing Jillian. <laughs> she shouldn't have come in. She shouldn't have come in. We had to end the meeting before it devolved even further. This seems like an HR disaster. By the way, before we left, Kenny did clean that chair. Some viruses can sit on a surface for 72 hours. This is the sound of Lysol wipes. Now, there is one more person involved in our quest to find the perpetrator of our office outbreak. His name is Jeffrey Shaman. Elaine and I went to go see him in his office in the public health department at Columbia University. Here it is. Come in. Can Elaine come in as well? We might need another chair. Is that all right? Absolutely. We expected a situation room of flu forecasting with maps and lights predicting outbreaks. But Shaman's office was pretty empty. Just Jeffrey Shaman sporting horn-rimmed glasses and a salt-and-pepper goatee. He collaborates with Rumi Chinara. Together, they're researching how the flu spreads. Because the flu is more mysterious than most people realize. We don't know how the flu is transmitted. We know how it can be transmitted, but we don't know how it is transmitted. Don't I know how it's transmitted? Because I sneeze. I sneeze, and then you, if I'm sick, you get it. But how? You breathe it in, and then you're also sick. So you're saying it's airborne. I'm saying it's airborne. But not everybody agrees that that's the case. So this seems crazy to me. In the winter, the flu is everywhere. But researchers still don't know the most efficient way the virus gets from one person to the next. It might not be sneezing in the air. It might be touching the chair that was sneezed on. And then you eat some M&Ms, or if you're really gross, you pick your nose, you rub your eyes and face, or you're eating a sandwich, and you transfer the virus that way, indirectly through an indirect route. And so me sneezing in the air while I'm sick is maybe not as bad as me sneezing on the table and you putting your hand in it and then eating an M&M. You see, that's the, where the debate lies. Shaman explained that there are four possible modes of transmission. Okay, wait. Uh, one, two, three, four. One was the table. Two was the sneezing. Three was the kissing. Four was the... I sneeze on your face. This is Jeffrey Shaman's favorite joke. Now, part of the reason the flu remains mysterious is that people don't go to the doctor unless they are really sick. Most of the time, the flu just passes. We know less about its transmission than lots of other diseases. Malaria, we know how malaria is transmitted. HIV, we know how that's transmitted. Influenza, we don't. Why don't we know? 
because we can't observe it. What's actually going on in the real world is something we can't see. Until, of course, today. While we couldn't find the exact path of transmission, because that is too complicated, we could at least hint at who got sick first, with what, and who else may have caught it. Now remember, twice a week we were filling in symptom reports. We answered questions like, do you have a fever, a runny nose, sore throat? And also some more accusatory questions like, who do you think got you sick? Maybe this was getting us all a little paranoid, because back at the office... Things were getting worse. Okay, Elaine, I need to talk to you. Come on. Kenny dragged each of us into a small room. He was getting carried away with the accusation part of the symptom report. All right, come on in here. Okay. Okay. Sit down. Okay. He pulled in Elaine and dropped a tape recorder on the table. Uh, Elaine, what are your symptoms currently? My symptoms currently are I have a runny nose. Do you have any suspicion from whom you contract this illness? Jillian was really sick on Thursday and Friday. Okay. I'm going to leave for a second and let you sit with your thoughts. Okay, I don't know how long you're supposed to wait outside before something happens, but that got boring. This was just a friendly conversation. It was conducted like an interrogation, though. He also cornered our producer, Julia Longoria. When did you feel your first symptom? 4 a.m. Let me ask you a question that may be a leading question. How much productivity have you lost because Jillian got us all sick? Let's call it two hours. That's not nothing. And then me. I was very surprised when I came in and you guys blamed Jillian because I thought you were the problem. I was the... Yeah. I kind of think you're... You've decided it's Jillian, and even though you're kind of investigating it, you're not really actually investigating anything because you've decided that Jillian did it. No, no. What if you had it first? I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to collect the facts. Okay. They're going to lead me to Jillian. (laughs) (laughs) Seems that way. Uh Uh-huh. And then ultimately, it's not really up to me to prove it or not. So Kenny would not be able to prove it. We could accuse each other endlessly and still not figure it out. That's what the science was for. And besides, there were other possibilities, too, like what if someone outside our office got us all sick? Well, what if the three of us just got it at the same time? What if guys, like, on the ferry sneezed on us? Or what if we got it from the snake guy? The snake guy. In the week we all got sick, we had taken a ferry together to the Staten Island Zoo to talk with Matt Lanier, also known as... Snake guy. We gave him a call weeks later because it occurred to us, maybe that day the snake guy got us sick? Hello, reptiles. It's Matt. Hey, Matt. It's Kenny Malone. Uh, So you're sitting at your desk right now? I am. And what's around you? Can you see snakes? (laughs) Yep. This is my office. Me and about 60-something venomous snakes. There are worse colleagues I suppose you could have. One who, for example, (laughs) comes into work sick. So this is a weird follow-up question. I'm going to admit that out the gate. He needed to know about that day we were all together at the zoo. It was Thursday, October 6th. Because it was that afternoon that the virus first ripped through our office. Is there any chance that either that day or maybe a day before or a day after you experienced any symptoms? Mm, No. The snake guy explained that he never goes to work sick, for good reason. There are what's called zoonotic diseases, which zoonotic means it can be passed from animals to humans and from humans to animals. Zoonotic diseases are responsible for most of the world's pandemics. 
That's why you hear about swine flu and avian flu. Snake Guy says you have to be cautious when you handle animals. You should always just wash your hands, whether you work at a zoo, whether you work at WNYC, whether you work at Kmart. That's just kind of, you know, one of those human nature things you should just do for your people around you. You know, if you know you have something like that, you don't want to go and and spread that around the office. I mean, that's my thinking, too. But here we are investigating whether or not one of my colleagues got us all sick. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you're off the hook on this one. (laughs) Okay, good. I'm glad it wasn't me. All right. You have a good day. The list of suspects was narrowing. On the first day of December, Elaine and I met with Rumi Chunara again. Rumi? Hey, how are you? Hi there. How are you? We sat around her desk and she looked at our data. Um, Okay, so you have been following us now for how many weeks? Uh, so since um, sometime in October, so, you know, it's been at least like six weeks, I round, I think. Yeah. Is that it? We still had four weeks to go, so she did not have details yet. But she could see that so far, some people in our group were getting sick, while others seemed immune. So by gathering a lot of data like this, we can kind of learn more about that. Like what makes this person more prone to getting infected versus another person? Or this person was prone to stay infected for longer than others. We think that viruses strike us indiscriminately, but it's not how it works. Even the way we perceive our symptoms varies from person to person. That's kind of an interesting part about this is that how people get infected, what symptoms they show, it's it's very personal also. Shinora hinted that so far, there was one person in our group who'd gotten sick a couple of times already. She couldn't tell us who, but we deduced who she was talking about. Um, this person had some kids at home. There are two people who have kids at home in our group. It's either me or it's Elaine. Elaine and I looked at each other. Then we looked at Chinara. Basically, the person who did get sick more, it was, yeah, the woman who was under 40. That is Elaine. <laughs> that's you, Elaine. Yes, it is me. Wow, that's weird. <laughs> I don't get sick. I don't usually get sick. You clearly do get sick. I mean, sick. I have gotten sick, but I, I don't. You don't I, feel. I don't feel like I'm yeah. a person that gets sick all the time. Well, you're wrong. Something strange happened in this moment. Elaine now saw herself differently. Elaine, are you sad? Are you okay? I, yeah, I just feel a little weird because I think I'm the person that doesn't usually get sick. Elaine is our project manager, our caretaker. But just a week earlier, she was clearly sick and still handing out chocolates to everyone. As the person who sits quite close to you, you're kind of cavalier. Yeah, what do you mean by cavalier? What do you mean I'm cavalier? I mean you came into work sick. <laughs> um... I am that kind of person where, like, I hate, like, all this, like, don't touch me, don't talk to me sort of stuff. I don't know why. I just, I I hate that. So I don't do that. It was a pretty quiet subway ride back to the office. This is not what we expected from our visit. The meeting revealed something unexpected. Just like how we get sick is very personal... How we behave when we're sick is also very personal. Back at WNYC, I asked my coworkers, why do you behave the way you do when you're sick? For Elaine, it's willful neglect. 
I think of myself as someone who doesn't get that sick. And that's why I'm like, oh, whatever, share with you, share food with you. Let me hug you, kiss you, whatever. Don't be so squeamish. And then actually, I do get sick, though. For Kenny, it's about responsibility. That, to me, is like the golden rules. You should not come into work sick. This is the 11th commandment left off of the tablets. Thou shalt not come into work sick. For Jillian, coming to work sick was a show of kindness and strength. It was just always drilled into me that you go to work unless you have a fever or you're throwing up or you, like, literally cannot make it in. At the time, we had stuff to do, and I didn't feel too sick to come to work. But then, I guess, it either hit other people harder than it hit me or other people are just weaker than I am. By January, we were done swabbing. We had sent 10 weeks of samples to the lab, and now we were just waiting for the final results. And Kenny, he was still single-minded in his blaming of Jillian. She came into work sick, got all of us sick, and therefore should be publicly shamed. How would we shame her? Like this? With a radio show? You do a radio show where you point out that Jillian came into work sick and got all of her colleagues sick. Up next, the data is in. Was Kenny right? Did Jillian really get us all sick? And what else is hiding in those results? Finally. This past February, my coworkers met once again, gathered around a table facing one another. I held the envelope. The air was thick with anticipation. Today, we have the results for Flu Dunnet. Is anybody nervous? I'm nervous. Why are you nervous, Jillian? Because everyone thinks I got them sick, and I <laughs> probably did. Multiple times, not even just once, I think. I thought it was just the one, uh, but maybe... I, I heard that people are pissed at you for more than once. Oh, my God! <laughs> um, I'm going to hand the envelope to Elaine. If you could open it in front of the microphone, I appreciate that. This is like the crappiest Oscar awards ever. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Elaine. You're welcome. Over the past few months, there have been a lot of accusations. There have been suspicions. There has been blame. And there has been guilt. And today, we have the results. There were two people in this experiment who were... In the end, we did not get the flu once. We did get lots of colds, though. Of the 20 people participating, the six coworkers plus our family and friends at home, we got 13 cases of rhinovirus, five cases of coronavirus, four cases of adenovirus, and two cases of RSVB, which is another respiratory illness. All different kinds of colds. The researchers said that this was pretty much what they would expect. And we appear to have suffered from two rounds of work-related illnesses, meaning we probably got each other sick. And there was one person who had it first. I'm scared. So the perpetrator, the person who got three people sick at the very beginning when we started Flu it, Jillian Weinberger. Mm. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Kenny was right all along. It was Jillian. 
The lab results showed that three people tested positive for the same virus, a rhinovirus. And the symptom reports revealed that Jillian felt it first. Then we started talking about how and where it might have happened. Maybe it was that day we took the ferry to the Staten Island Zoo. Wait, so when do you guys think it happened, though? Is it on the car ride over? How exactly do you think it happened? I think we all ate some cookies on the boat home. And how was this done? Someone- I think I opened the container and was like, would you like a cookie? But maybe you touched all the cookies. We didn't share. Oh, you know what we did share? What? Were those Dippin' Dots. Dippin' Dots. It was the Dippin' Dots. It was definitely the Dippin' Dots. Dippin' Dots. Go back to the tape. And there's this outrageous tape of me saying, I'm buying some Dippin' Dots. (laughs) Kenny records everything. So you might not believe this, but we have tape from that exact moment when we were leaving the zoo. Be well, everybody. See you later. All right, take care. I know, I, I want to stay at the zoo. I want to get some Dippin' Dots, though. Come back. It is beautiful. For real? Do it. If you want Dippin' Dots. I'm going to get some Dippin' Dots. Dippin' Dots are these weird little ice cream pellets. Ice cream of the future. Yes. Kenny walks over to the machine. He puts his money in. Please choose the desired product. He chooses the banana split. Then he walks back with the Dippin' Dots and Bye. one spoon. Then... Yep, 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 yep. Amazing. The tape stops dead. We shared the spoon. We 100% shared a spoon. I think we must have. I think we have solved the flu done it. Jillian. 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 At the zoo with the damn dip and dip. <laughs> <laughs> This is the best mystery ever. Oh. This has been awesome, guys. <laughs> A few weeks later, I went back to see Jeffrey Shaman to see if we could be right. I laid out the whole theory. And he was eating the Dippin' Dots, and he was like, Jillian, Amanda, do you guys want some Dippin' Dots? And I was like, no, that's disgusting. It's not a food. And they shared a spoon, a uh, Dippin' Dots yeah, spoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is it possible that that of would course, have been them- Of course. So think of the modes of transmission here. If you're shedding it, and it's in your nose and mouth passageways. And you're putting it in your mouth and you're getting your germs all over and passing it back to someone. You're not irradiating or dipping it in alcohol or burning the spoon before you use it. Organisms are going to survive on it. That's an effective way of transmitting virus, we would imagine. We don't know, though. It may have been that she just sneezed on his face. See, I told you, he loves that joke. So now that we agreed that our theory could be right, the real question is should Jillian have been at the zoo that day, or should she have called in sick? Shaman explained that on one hand, you spread viruses just by simply breathing, so it's hard to avoid sharing colds with your coworkers. And sometimes you feel fine, but you're still shedding viruses. Then on the other hand, the flu can be really serious, and you do not want to be the guy who brings it to work. He said there is no simple answer. Yet. Now, You know, there may come a day where you wake up in the morning and you cough into your smartphone and it tells you what you got, right? And some of us will get up and go to work and say, this is just part of the process. And others might stay home a lot, apparently. But if you cough into your phone, then you know... You know what you're infected with, yeah. Yeah, and then shouldn't that dictate what you do that day? You would think so, but when do we ever really effectively dictate what people do and don't do? I guess if you said, look, if you're coming down with the coronavirus, don't come to work. Yeah, that would be a good thing to do. But 20% of the time, on average, people are sick in the months from October to March. 
that's a huge amount of work days lost. And therein lies the real problem. During the winter months, we are on average sick 20% of the time. My fantasy isn't just that you cough into your phone and that it tells you what you have. You then wait two minutes, it generates a monoclonal antibody to cure you of it, and you lick your smartphone and you feel better. That would be the really cool thing, now, wouldn't it? And then you could go to work and hug your kids, right? That would be really cool. That is really cool. <laughs> you know, I'm not the one inventing that, but there are people looking at all sorts of ways. Before we go, there was one more thing from that big reveal. There is one other thing that I haven't told you, which is that there is a second perpetrator. (gasps) Now, as a group, we had two rounds of work-related illnesses, meaning we two times when we got each other sick. And the second perpetrator is Kenny Malone. No, come on. Yeah. (laughs) I am so... I am so happy. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Kenny, do you have anything to say for yourself? Seriously. No, I legitimately think there's nothing I should say here. (laughs) I feel like I should call an attorney. (laughs) If Kenny had called an attorney, they would have made us say this. This experiment is based largely on anecdotal evidence. The researchers could not confirm if Kenny was, in fact, the second perpetrator. That lab test could tell if two people had rhinovirus, but not if it was the same strain of rhinovirus, meaning they may or may not have shared a virus. But it is always more fun to blame Kenny, right? Only Human is a production of WNYC Studios. This episode was edited by Ben Adair. Our team includes Elaine Chen, Mary Harris, Christopher Johnson, Julia Longoria, Kenny Malone, and Jillian Weinberger. Our technical director is Casey Means. Tony Phillips is WNYC's vice president of on-demand content. I'm Amanda Aronchik, and we'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. Support for WNYC's health coverage and Only Human is provided by the Charina Endowment Fund, Jane and Gerald Catcher, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, the Simons Foundation, the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, and the Winston Foundation. Foundation.